0: All right, well, welcome everybody. Uh, for those of you who might not know me, my name is Brian. I'm one of the lead pastors. I'm sitting here with Mike Mancini, uh, who's a good friend of mine. He works with our high school students, and uh, he's going to be sharing with me in this Red Letters series. Um, so thankful for you being here, Mike. It's a real gift. You're going to hear from Mike's heart. Um, he's a gifted teacher, loves the Word of God, loves Jesus. But but I'm just going to tell you right now, one, it's a miracle that I have him in a seat for 30 minutes. We're going to see how that goes. He, normally, he likes to, to move around. But um, here's the thing I just kind of want to forewarn you a little bit is that he's going to challenge you because the Word challenges him, and his Jesus challenges him, and, um, and, and, and he takes it very seriously, and he's passionate about it. And so um, I hope you're ready to be challenged today as we step into this relationship with Jesus and grow in him. Uh, we're in this series called Red Letters, and we're looking at the words of Jesus and the gospel of Luke. And the reason we're doing that is because we've been praying a prayer, and we're praying this prayer as a, as a community. And right now we're praying, Lord, give us your eyes. We're really asking the Lord to give us eyes to see people the way that He sees them, but also that we would have eyes to see how God is moving Uh, We believe God is—he's alive, he's here through the power of his Spirit, and we want to enter in and participate with what he's doing. I was just reminded by a good friend of mine of Jesus' baptism, and he's baptized, he comes out of the water, and his Father speaks over him. This is my son in him, I am well pleased. But then the Lord gives this directive to everybody who can can hear it, and we have it through the benefit of Scripture. He says, listen to him. Mm -hmm. And this is what we're really trying to do in this series, is look at the words of Jesus and listen to Him. So what we want to do is we're looking at Luke chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. Amazing story. What I've liked doing in this series is just telling the story. So Mike and I are going to go line by line through the story. And then uh, we're going to share some things that we should take away from this, some things that we should see. I'm going to ask some questions of Mike and he's going to share with us. And then we have a couple words of application. So uh, let's dive right in. I'm going to yeah. read the first line, Mike, cool. and then and then you jump in. Okay, so yeah. verse six starts like this: On another Sabbath day, a man with a deformed right hand was in the synagogue while Jesus was teaching.
1: Yeah, cool. So that's like the first place that we need to pause, right? Because this story is actually part of a larger story that starts in Luke five with the calling of disciples and ends in Luke 7 with the appointing of apostles. Right. right? Uh, so this whole section of the Gospel of Luke is really a story about how Jesus is leading his disciples. And it's filled with all kinds of stuff. Right. So like uh, Jesus is uh, cleansing a leper. Right. And he intru- he instructs that leper to go speak to a priest. The only place there would have been priests would have been in the temple. The only place where there was a temple was in Jerusalem. So he told this, he told this, this healed man to go and present himself himself to a priest in the temple, and that would have been a sign to the religious leaders of the day that the Messiah had arrived, right? right? Uh, But the leper was disobedient to Jesus in that moment, and that didn't happen. uh, and then there's all these controversies that arise, right? The first one is when a paralytic is brought to Jesus, and Jesus forgives the man's sins, right? Mm. The Pharisees uh, were really upset about this, and this created controversy with the religious people that were that were around. And then after that, Jesus calls Levi, the tax collector, and he doesn't just call Levi as a disciple, right? He goes to Levi's house and he has a feast with right. all of these tax collectors, and the Pharisees are up in arms about that. Right? And they're up in arms about that for a couple of reasons. One, because as Jesus is calling His disciples, He's not calling the religious elite. Right. Right? Like, he's not go, calling the right people. He's not calling the Pharisees. Yeah, He's not saying, hey, hey, you guys who've been doing all the right stuff and doing all this work. Yeah. You're my team. Come on. He's not calling the religious elite. He's calling fishermen and sinners and normal folks and revolutionary. Like he's calling all these different people together. And it's a weird team that he's putting together. (laughs) Right. But he's also feasting at the table. with all of these sinners and tax collectors. Uh, and then he goes even further and he starts plucking grain on the Sabbath and feeding and, and giving the grain to his disciples. And when the Pharisees see this, man, they felt like Jesus was breaking every single rule in the yeah. book and there was more and more controversy. And then, uh, and then there's this moment that we have here, right, where there's another controversy yeah. around the Sabbath. But right in the middle of all that, there's this really important teaching about new wine. Yeah. Right? So there's this calling of disciples. There's all this controversy. And then Jesus says, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. Right? So what, and what Jesus is saying in that is that I'm doing something new. Right. right? The old ways of religious living, the old ways of following the creator of all things are over. There's something right. new. And Jesus is ushering that in, and he's training his disciples in that, and that's creating all sorts of problems. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So that's where we find ourselves in this passage. Awesome. Should we move on? Yeah. Verse seven. Yeah. The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees watched Jesus closely. (laughs) If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath.
0: So let's pause there. Let's talk a little bit about this. In this moment, so Jesus, he's, he's teaching. There are some Pharisees Uh, here. And um, it's interesting about what Luke says here. In in the NLT it says that they were watching Jesus closely. Mm -hmm. In some translations there's stronger words used here where it's actually they were spying on Jesus. So we have this history now already developing and growing between Jesus and the Pharisees and now they're here and they're spying on Jesus. They're waiting for him to make a mistake. Uh, It's on the Sabbath. This is important too. As you already described, some things are happening on the Sabbath. Uh, Sabbath was very important, is very important, Mm -hmm. very important to to the people. Uh, You can hear about the Sabbath in in passages like Genesis 2, where Jesus created the world. He rested on the seventh day. He looked back and saw that it was good. And then you go to Exodus chapter 20, where Moses is given the Ten Commandments. The fourth commandment is uh, to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. Uh, this was the Lord saying, you need to take moments where your head is not down, where it's up, where you're resting, where you're reflecting on the goodness of God and saying, wow, he is good. All things are from him. In uh, Deuteronomy 5 talks about the Sabbath, very important to keep this day of rest. And the Pharisees, they believed it was their duty, their, their objective to be the guardians of the Sabbath. So they created all these, these laws around the Sabbath, what you could do and what you shouldn't do so that you knew you were keeping the Sabbath. Uh, and so even when it came to healing, there were these rules. Uh, you could heal on the Sabbath, actually. If there was somebody who wouldn't make it to the next day, hmm. you could step in and help. Hmm. But if that person was going to make it to the next day, it wasn't a dire situation. <laughs> they had to wait. They had to wait. And this was the condition of this man that's in the room here. He had a withered hand, but he was going to survive to the next day. So the rules, if you put it through the formula, he was not to be healed. Hmm. So here are these Pharisees. They're spying on Jesus. They're waiting for him to make a mistake. And, And let's read on. It goes on like this. But Jesus knew their thoughts. He said to the man with the deformed hand, Come and stand in front of everyone. So the man came forward. Oh,
1: man, Jesus is so good, right? (laughs) Jesus is so good because, like, you just have to contrast what's happening with the Pharisees and what's happening with Jesus, the approach of the Pharisees and the approach of Jesus. I think it's really important to note, too, that the Pharisees and Jesus, in a way, both have the same end, right? Mm. Like, they're both going after the kingdom of God, right? The Pharisees were doing everything that they could to preserve Jewish identity in the midst of Roman conquest and Roman control and Roman oppression, right? right. They, they were doing everything in their power to say, Lord, we are yours and we are awaiting your Messiah, right? right? And we want to see your kingdom, right? Established. And Jesus is saying, here's your kingdom, right? Yeah. We were like, Lord, like, like, Father, your kingdom, right? Like yeah. this is like, um, but there, so when, like, really at the core of it, they have, in a way, the same heart. The way in which that's expressed is so different, right? Like, so, and and you really see that in this passage, right? Because, or in this, in this verse, because you have, um, okay, so Jesus knows their thoughts. Super cool. Jesus knows our (laughs) thoughts, right? Uh, Every one of them. Um, And uh, he said to the man uh, with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone, right? Mm. So, so, so the Pharisees are spying, Right. They're not saying a word. It's all a secret, right? right. Uh, and Jesus knows their thoughts. And the way that he responds to that is total openness. Right. Right. He just speaks directly to this man and he says, come forward, right? Come stand in front of everyone, right? Like, hey, Mm. let's not, let's not make this a secret, guys. Like, let's do this publicly. Let's be open. Let's be honest. Like, let's put all our cards on the table, right? And so I just think the contrast between the Pharisee's secrecy and Jesus' openness is really, is really like, it's a stark contrast here. Uh, And also, like, this man came forward. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I would come forward. Like, that's like, you got Jesus, who's this new teacher who has authority and power, and nobody's like, and he's there to teach, right? So like, mm-hmm. okay, that's intimidating, right? And then you have these Pharisees who are like, these are the people you're used to right. as being in charge, right? And you're there and you're sick, and there was kind of an association, like if you had a withered hand, you were sinful, your parents mm-hmm. were, there's something wrong spiritually with you, right? right. So the fact that this man has the humility... Um, to to stand up in front of everyone. Yeah. Like that's, that's beautiful, right? Yeah. And that's bold. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's radical faith. Yeah, for sure. Right? That's Awesome. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, So then Jesus said to his critics, this is verse nine, uh, I have a question for you. Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save a life or to destroy it?
0: That's great. Now, these are some of the the red-letter words, Mm -hmm. and and we'll talk more about what's happening here later on. But again, this is a a wonderful contrast that Jesus is is stepping into. Is this a day to save life or destroy it? And uh, when you look at this picture, you have Jesus standing there Mm -hmm. who's bringing in life you know've we 've looked at the Gospel of Luke all the way up to this point and he 's bringing life through his teaching through his deliverance of, of casting out demons from people of, of bringing healing to people of bringing forgiveness to people he 's all about bringing new life, this yeah. new wine new skin wine. That, yeah. this new wine that you 're talking about it 's all about bringing in life, yet he knows the thoughts of these critics <laughs> that are before him. he knows their hearts and and, and they think they're in this posture of we're preserving what's most important, yeah. what we cherish the most. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 you're missing it entirely here, but actually grabbing a hold of this and holding it so firmly, you're destroying life mm. because you're here because you're out to, to get me, <laughs> the Messiah, the, the King of kings, the Lord come down as one of us. You're here. And so there's this contrast. I love how the question here. Jesus says, he says, is this a day to save life? or to destroy it. That language, when you look at Deuteronomy chapter five and it talks about the Sabbath, the Sabbath was purposely set up for one of the reasons was to remember that God is the God that saves. Hmm. And so part of the reason that they even had a Sabbath every seven days was to remember that God saves. So here Jesus is saying, is this a day to save life? The answer is yes, Mm -hmm. it is. It was actually set aside hundreds of years earlier for this very purpose. Or is it to destroy it? Because you're here to destroy it. Let's keep going. Uh, chat, uh, verse 10. He looked around at them one by one and then said to the man, hold out your hand. So the, blind, so the man held out his hand and it was restored.
1: Oh man, Jesus is like the smartest guy ever, right? <laughs> he really is. Uh, because this is beautiful, right? Because we could, like, there's like these two streams that are happening here, right? Like, Like, there's this healing that happens, which is amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus heals, right? Um, uh, but also, like it's, he's also using this moment to communicate something to the Pharisees, right? Because he looks one mm-hmm. by one, right? He's taking the time to look at every single one. right? So he is communicating something to them right? right? in this act, right? Um, I think like this moment is as much about him trying to teach something to the Pharisees right. than it is about healing this man's yeah. hand. Right. Um, and the other thing that's, <laughs> that's really funny is that they were trying to catch him for working on the Sabbath. Right. right. But like, all he did was say, hold out your hand. And all the guy did was go like this. Yeah. There's like no labor. Right. There's no work. Like, it's not like it didn't take labor. Right. For that to happen. Um, he didn't break a sweat. He didn't break a sweat. Yeah, exactly. It's not a laborious thing for Jesus to heal this man. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so, uh, so in verse 11, uh, at this, right, at this moment, and uh, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage hmm. and began to discuss what to do with him. So this is the last verse,
0: verse in our passage. I think it's interesting when you, when you look at verse 9, it says Jesus addressed the critics and then he, he said the, that phrase. And then now in, in the verse 11, um, it says that this, the enemies of Jesus. Mm. So there's this turning point here. Because of what Jesus did, they went from critics to enemies, many of them. Yeah. And um, so there's this turning point of like, wow, now I'm an enemy of Jesus. And, and it's because he, he, he broke what they cherished the most, the law. Yeah. He, he broke it. Um, I also think it's interesting that the next time that the word enemies is used is only a few verses later. In verse 27, Jesus uses the word enemies, and in a whole different posture, right? These enemies are, are, are in anger. But Jesus says in, in, in Luke 6, verse 27, "'But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies.'" Do good to them, man. So it, again, Luke is just painting this beautiful contrast yeah. between Jesus and and these critics. Because
1: probably as Jesus is teaching, like as Jesus is saying those words, right? The Pharisees are meeting together in yeah. their in their religious huddles, yeah. trying to figure out how they can t- kill Jesus. Yes. Right. Yeah. And at that, it's like I could picture those two moments happening at the same time. Like, what are we going to yeah. do? How are we going to get this guy? Right. That's right. In, in in these quiet corners, right? And and Jesus standing before uh, the disciples and people just say and just say love your enemies right yeah man
0: I love it too because Jesus never says anything he wasn't willing to do yeah so this isn't a Jesus saying hey love your enemies but he didn't have any mm-hmm. though he had enemies oh, yeah. that wanted to plot to kill him that's right and he said love your enemies hey Mike there are like a thousand things mm-hmm. we could take from this passage but um, we want to focus on a few. And, and what I'd love to do is just kind of tee up some themes that we see in this passage and just ask you to, re- to respond and we can have a little bit of conversation about them. But there's some, some great things happening here and I think particularly some things that the Lord might want us to really take away. Mm. And, uh, and so I want to talk if we can, we'll see how far we get. But I want to talk about the presence of Jesus yeah. here. I want to talk about the boldness of Jesus here. I want to talk about the compassion of Jesus, uh, the warning that we receive, we can receive even today from Jesus in this, and the power of Jesus. Okay, so maybe just a minute or two on each one. Sure. But l- let's talk a little bit about uh, the presence of Jesus. You know, there's many people in this story, uh, named and not named, who come into the presence of Jesus. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, what it means to come in the presence of Jesus and the different postures that you can come into the presence of Jesus in.
1: Yeah, I, I once I once heard someone say that no cynic ever got anything from Jesus. Mm. Um, and I think as, as you look at this passage, right, like um, uh, there's, uh, there's this way in which... Uh, So, okay, so the presence of Jesus, I want to like take that back one step, right? And say uh, uh, the presence of God. Right? Sure. And here's why I want to say that is because this whole thing happens in a synagogue, right? Now, uh, the temple was the place where the presence of the Lord dwelled. Right. But the synagogue was a gathering place for prayer and communion with God, right? Yeah. So, as, so for, for Jewish people going into the synagogue, they are entering into a place of communion with mm-hmm. God. Therefore, they're entering into a place of the presence of God, right? So like, I think there's even something that we can learn from the way Jesus enters, Right. into right. the synagogue, right? And the presence of his own father, right? right. Um, so as, okay, so we'll go from, from, from like negative to positive, right? Sure. Okay, cool, so we have the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees have an ulterior motive, right? Mm-hmm. Before they ever go into the presence of God, they have a fixed mind of what is right, what is wrong, how things are gonna happen, how things are not gonna happen, who's in and who's out, who's good and who's bad, and Jesus is bad and we're gonna get him. Yep. They've got all this stuff figured out before they come in the presence with God. There's no humility, yep. right? There's no there's no curiosity. There's no openness. They're they're closed off and they're there with this motive to spy, yep. right? Like they're looking intently at Jesus, um, and I think that looking will be important later. Um, no, it'll be important right now, right? Because that looking is important because in the end of this, right? Like, so when you enter God's presence and you have like this this fixed idea, right? Well, this is who's in, this is who's out. This is what God's going to do. This is what God's not going to do, mm. right? And I've got it all figured out. And there's some folks in there I really don't like, and I've got my eye on them. Mm. Like when you enter the presence of God like that, uh, that last verse that we looked at, where. Um, uh, 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 at this, uh, verse 11, at this, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage. Um, the, 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 the original Greek there is more like they were blinded by their rage. Right, right. Couldn't see. Yeah. So they went in there to see Jesus with this ugh, nasty all over them. Yeah. Right. And the end result for them was blindness. Right. They couldn't see anything because of that. Right. Right. Um, then, right, so then then from there, you also then you have like, let's put the disciples next, right? So the disciples are there, not in a negative posture at all, but they're there watching Jesus. Mm-hmm. As they enter into the presence of God, they're coming in as learners, yep. and they are quietly learning from their Jesus. Yeah. What a great posture, right? Mm-hmm. And in the end of this bigger arc and this bigger story, they're called apostles, right? right? And they, they have this deep intimacy with Jesus that ends up changing the whole world, mm. right? right? It's beautiful to, right. Be able to come into the presence of God as a learner, yeah. like the disciples do, right? Then you have this man with a withered hand, right? And we don't know anything about him other than that Jesus called him up. Well, if Jesus hadn't called him up, then he just would have been there. Right. He was just present. Right. Right? He showed up. Right. There's something even about like showing up for the presence of God. That can change your whole life, man. Like showing up for the presence of God for this man changed, it healed his body, which didn't just restore his body, but like that meant he could work. That meant he was welcomed into community in different ways, different ways than before, Mm -hmm. like it changed everything for him. Even if you were not feeling it, even if you're not like showing up for your encounter and your powerful moment with God, just showing up to Mm -hmm. be present to God with no expectations. Yeah. And he was willing to respond. Yeah, that's right. Just like Jesus
0: was able to see the hearts of the Pharisees, I'm sure he could Mm. see the heart of this man with the withered hand and maybe the reason why he called on him. Right. I know he's going to respond well.
1: Yeah. Can you picture, like, who? Who? Me? Me? Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. I'm (laughs) I'm ready to respond. so good, yeah. And then there's the way Jesus comes in, right? And the way Jesus comes in to the presence of God in the synagogue, right, is is really beautiful because he he comes in knowing who he is, knowing his identity, he comes in knowing his authority. Yep. Knowing the power that he has, he comes in uh, with 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 focus and intention to serve, yes. to show compassion, right? Yep. Um, and I think like that's really beautiful too. I think there's something to learn there too. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It, it matters how we enter the presence of Jesus. Yeah, and. Um, Let's, let me talk just briefly. I want to I jump in a moment to the compassion of Jesus. Okay, cool. But, but let me just say one thing about the boldness of Jesus is yeah. that we're going to continue to see in the Gospel of Luke Jesus being bold. Mm. And I think uh, the thing for me that I learned in this story is, um, and just as we look at the life of Jesus, was that his heart was more for being obedient to the will of the Father right. than the will of man. Yeah. And, and, and that's where he was bold, right, in everything that he did. But um, let's move, if we oh, can, yeah. to yes. the compassion of Jesus because as we were talking about it, you, you saw, you really saw kind of at an intimate level um, Jesus being compassionate with those who are present there.
1: Oh, yeah, because he's being compassionate with everybody. Yeah. Right? Like, um, so again, right? Like, if we zoom out to this larger section of Luke where Jesus is starts with calling disciples and this section ends with appointing apostles. So yeah. this whole thing is really about this training of these disciples, right? right. Like, like he's teaching them something through all of these stories. Um, and uh, so, for, um, so, so Jesus is being compassionate to the disciples, right? right? By teaching them and revealing to them what it's going to look like for this new wine to come, right? right. Like it's beautiful and it's good. Um, uh, but, and we see, right? Like it's easy to see his compassion for the man with the withered hand, right? right? Like... Yep. He doesn't ignore that, right? Like, and and the crazy thing is, right, is that that's, I don't think the main purpose of Jesus in this passage is to heal the man's hand. Right. Like, I would argue that this passage is actually about Jesus and the Pharisees, and Jesus is trying to have compassion on the Pharisees. Uh, Yeah.
0: (laughs) I think you're right. I mean, when when you look up to this point in Luke 6, Jesus has healed potentially hundreds of people that you don't have any of the stories of. Right. Right? Outside of Simon's home, he, He healed every person. You don't have all the stories. For some reason, Luke shares this story. Yeah. So it must be more than just the yeah, end. Yeah, because right.
1: Jesus has compassion on the Pharisee. Yeah. Right? Like, I think it's so important that we grab hold of that. And, his, and the way that he shows compassion to the Pharisee is different than the way he shows compassion to the man with the withered hand. Right a lot because of the way they're entering his presence, right? right? Like, like, like he isn't pulling any punches with the Pharisees, right? He's, he is, he's bringing things out in the open. He's exposing the reality of what's happening. He's speaking truth Mm -hmm. into places where they've been believing lies, right? But he, but he isn't like putting the final word down. Like he's giving them, he's asking them questions. Yeah. right? And if he's asking them questions, um, that means that like he is welcoming response. Like that like that makes me think of like at the fall, right? This is like the character of mm. God. Like even, even after the fall, uh, <laughs> God approaches Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, in the beauty of the garden, and he doesn't say, what's the matter with you? You messed it all up. Yep. He says, where are you? Yeah. Yep. Where'd you? Where'd you go? Right? He, he like invites them into relationship. He invites them mm. in. I think that's what Jesus is doing here with mm. these people whose hearts are all jacked up and all mm. confused. He's, he's, he's asking these questions because He wants them right. to see. Yeah. He wants them to grab hold of the truth yeah. that He's bringing this new wine, that the kingdom that they've been longing for is here, mm. and they're not closed off from it. It's available to them too. Right right? Um, And that's so compassionate, man. Like, it would be so easy, right? When people like are talking bad about you and plotting to mess you up, Mm. right? Like how—and saying all the wrong things about you and misinterpreting you at every turn. How easy is it to write those people off? Right. But Jesus doesn't do that. He has compassion on them, and He keeps welcoming them in.
0: Yeah, that's a great lesson. If if Jesus were standing here right now, Mm. Mike, and And he wanted to speak to our church. Because I think there's a warning from Jesus spoken here in this passage. He's he's kind of warning the Pharisees. But I think, you know, this is the holy word of God. I think Jesus is maybe offering us a warning as well. For me, it's really easy to say, I'm not a Pharisee. Thank Mm -hmm. God I'm not a Pharisee. Man, those horrible Pharisees. The more I look at it, I'm like, oh my goodness, I can be a Pharisee. And the way I think and, and, and the things that I do and my self-focus yeah. and it, it, can, it can cause me to, to have these blinders. Like if, if, if the Lord were standing here, Jesus Christ right now we're standing here, how do you think He would warn Walnut Hill Community Church?
1: Yeah, well first I think that um, He would look at each one, mm. right? Right. And it would be, uh, oh man, it would be this look that that sets your heart on fire, mm. right? Um, and I think he would say the truth, right? Yeah. I think he would speak the truth. Um, and, and, and I think the truth is that all of us have these ideas mm. about what God is going to do, who he's going to do it among, how he's going to do it, when he's going to do it. Um, and we might not feel like we're very religious about those things, but when something happens outside of the bounds of that, mm. I think how we react in those moments reveals our heart. And I know sometimes when things happen that I don't expect and not the way that I've expected, especially if I'm like leading a room and I have an idea about what's supposed to happen and it's supposed to go this way, not that way. And then all of a sudden this thing comes and it seems like a distraction. And like, sometimes I just want, I want to shut that down, yeah. you know? Um, uh, because I think this is what's supposed to happen. I think this is the yeah. way we're supposed to go. I just feel like when those things happen that are outside of our picture of how things yeah. should go, um, how we respond in those moments mm. reveals the Pharisee that's in us. Right. Right? It, yeah. re- it, reveals, uh, it reveals the Pharisee.
0: I wonder if um, you know, Jesus might, might say to us, I want you to see your pride. Hmm. You know, I feel like that's maybe he's just saying that to me, yeah. right? I just feel like, you know, the Lord's saying, I, "Man, I want you to see your pride, so you can drop it." Yeah. Because once you see your pride and you're willing to drop it, yeah, you're gonna get begin to see me. Yeah. Right. Be, so, because, talk to me a little bit about. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Talk to me about whatever you want to talk yeah, to yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, right
1: yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like so that's the thing, right? Like what, like, like. Like we're being invited to fix our eyes on Jesus, not fix our eyes on the thing that we want Jesus to do or the way that we yes. want Jesus to do it, right? So like uh, a lot of people are familiar uh, with the passage. I, I'm blanking on the address in the moment, right? But like, uh, he can do exceedingly and abundantly more yes. than you could ever ask or imagine, right? right. So I am going to get up for a minute. So the yes. miracle didn't totally sure. happen, right? So like, <laughs> let's say that this right right here is everything that you have ever asked for and ever imagined, right? That means this is what you you expect. This is what you want. This is it, right? This is your thing, right? But if Jesus does abundantly more than we have ever, if we could ever ask or ever imagine, then that means that like here's what Jesus does, okay? I'll I'll be, for for this illustration, I'll be Jesus, right? Um. Come on. There's more. You don't actually have to come. I'll I'll go, man. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Right. But like, do you get what I'm trying to say? Like, do you get that? Like, right. um, Like our pride says, this is the only way that God can do this. Right. But if Jesus is going to do more than we ask, more Mm. than we imagine, then we have to move from pride to humility. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: I think it's through the posture of humility that we really begin to see. We yeah. really begin to see what the Lord wants to do in our own life, what He's doing in every room we step into. Um, last thing I want yes. to cover is um, y- we can't miss the fact that Jesus heals this man. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and um, talk to me just a little bit about the power of Jesus because it's clearly displayed in this story. Yeah. But I want to hear from you. I know that, um, Mike, you… Um, you see the Lord working all the time. And I'd love for you to share with us a little bit about the power of Jesus today. Okay. Okay.
1: power of Jesus to heal? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Does He? Can He? Yes, He does. And He can. (laughs) Um, uh, There's actually something that you said years ago that I've held on to. I'm not sure if you came up with it. This is a Brian Murray original or if you got it from somewhere else, right? Mm -hmm. But you said, um, I can't promise you that Jesus is going to heal you, Mm -hmm. but I also can't promise you that He won't. Right. Yeah, that's true, right? That's yeah. true. And what I have found in my own life is that if I don't pray for anyone for healing, that's the only time I never see people get healed, right? Right. But what I but also what I have found is that when I am willing to say, Lord, here I am, right, yeah. like whatever you want to do, uh, I don't see everybody get healed, but people get healed, dude. Yeah. It's crazy. And people don't just get healed at church. Actually, I've seen more people get healed outside of church than inside of church. Mm. Like in the past year, I've seen more people get healed at Costco than I have at any church I've been in, you know, yeah. um, not that the Lord doesn't heal people at church. He absolutely right. does. But the earth and all that's in it belongs to the Lord. Right. Mm. And Jesus healing uh, everywhere. Right. So just like a few stories, I don't know. Um, so I was I was pulling into to, um, uh, oh, geez, I don't even know what to share. OK. OK, cool. Uh, today. I, was, uh, I, was, I went to uh, Western Connecticut State University, yes. and I haven't been there in a long time. I used to work there. I did mm-hmm. ministry there for many years. Um, and, uh, and the Lord has started to bring me back there to pray and mm. to mentor some student leaders. And it's a real, it's a real gift. Uh, and this morning, I had to go back there because I had forgotten my headphones the day before. They fell out of my pocket, and I was just hoping they'd still be there. So I was there at like 8 o'clock in the morning. And... Um, uh, I'm in this room and it's an empty room. And then all of a sudden the Lord reminds me, hey, Mike, remember what happened on that couch over there? Mm. Uh, And the thing that happened on that couch a few years before was that um, I was sitting with a young woman and uh, I was sharing, just, we were just talking. I was sharing my story with her and she started welling up with tears. Her eyes started welling up with tears, right? Uh, And I thought I was really getting through to her. and the Lord was really moving, and I said, I see you're crying. Like, what's going on? What's happening? And uh, she said, no, no, like I, I'm blind in my left eye. Mm. And, uh, and it tears up, like I had a surgery, but it didn't work, and it tears up, and it's all messed up. I was like, let's pray for Jesus to heal it, mm. right? And for her context, she thought I was like going to go to church and like light a candle, right. and, like, you know, and pray some mm. other time. She's like, oh, that's really nice of you. Thank you. I'm like, no, 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 we're going to pray right now freaked her out, right? And freaked everybody else out because this is, we're in a really public setting, right? right? Uh, so, I, uh, so I say, um, so I just say, okay, cool. I'm going to pray for you right now. And I start praying for her eye to be healed. And I was like, yeah, how's your eye? She said, like, what? And it like freaks her out. She like, what mm. are you talking about? But I'm praying that Jesus would heal your eye right now. Mm. And then she's like, oh, like she didn't know. Right. <laughs> and now it's funny because we're in this space and everyone's on their, you know, everyone has their, their, you know, everyone's like looking at their computers and now no one's looking at their computers anymore. Everyone's just like staring at us. Right. And, um, <laughs> and uh, so I say, cool, I'm going to pray again now that you know. Yes. Right. And uh, so I pray. So I pray again and, um, and I say, OK, cool. like cover your right eye. See if you can see that of your left eye. And I won't repeat what she said because we're a church. Right. But she said something like, Holy smokes! I can see. Right, right. The Lord heals her vision. Wow. In an instant, you yeah. know. And I think that was the moment that taught me that like, there's never a mo- there's never an environment. There's, if you look at this person, you'd say this person's out of bounds for Jesus. Mm. This is not a follower of Jesus. This is someone who's not living the kind of life that mm-hmm. like you'd expect someone in church to be living. But the Lord met her and healed her, and the next day. She was asking mm. hard questions and gave her life to Jesus, right? And then after that, man, stuff happens all the time. A few months ago, I was at, I was at, I was at Costco, right? And uh, I, all of a sudden, I start getting really dizzy when I'm in the parking lot. And I don't normally get really dizzy. Uh, and I thought, okay, and I heard the word vertigo. And mm. then all of a sudden, this woman walks by me. Uh, and as she's walking by me, she says, hello. Like, we don't live in South Carolina, dude. People don't say <laughs> hello to each other in the Costco parking lot, right? right. So I, it must be for this woman. So I say, hey, excuse me. I know this is really weird, but do you suffer from vertigo? And she was like, like, yeah, I do. Mm. I was like, I think Jesus wants to heal your vertigo. Can I Mm -hmm. pray for you? Right? So I prayed for her. um, And the way her vertigo worked was uh, either she woke up and she had it or she woke up and she didn't that day. We didn't know. I'll never see her again. I never know. But the Lord had that word for her. And I was able to pray for her and even just tell her like, like, Jesus sees you, right. right? Like, I think he wants to heal you. So then I'm all stoked and I'm walking into the Costco, right? And there's this woman who's kind of like limping out as I'm walking in. And I'm like, hey, is there, you know, is, I see that you're limping. Is there something wrong with your knee? She's like, yeah, my knee is all messed up. It's like, cool. Like, I want to pray. I want to pray for your knee. I think Jesus can take your pain away. Mm. So I was, is it okay if I pray? And she's like, yeah. She's like this older Italian woman, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. So I pray for her. And all of a sudden, right, she's like, oh, thank you. I'm like, no, like bend it, walk on it. Right. Mm. She's not limping anymore. Right. She's not limping. And I'm like, what, what's going on? Like, what's up?" She's like, it's, it's better. It's right. good. It's better. And she's like, who are you, Jesus? Right? And I was like, no, <laughs> no, like, no, no. Right? That's the thing. Like, there's nothing special about me. Mm. Jesus heals. Yeah. Like. Okay. So like Jesus heals. And I, the thing, okay, the thing I'm sensing right now, the thing I'm feeling right now is that there have been people who have been believing for some time like they've, they've, they've wanted to keep on believing that Jesus could heal them or could heal someone in their life, but like it hasn't happened yet. Mm. Um, and because it hasn't happened yet, you've gotten to this like loop and you're starting to, 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 like, it's starting to change the way that you think about God, right? And you're starting to believe that maybe you're starting to believe God actually doesn't heal people. And I've been wrong mm. about that. And that's just wrecking your faith, right? Or maybe you start to believe there's something wrong with me, right? Mm. Like, like God heals people, but he doesn't heal me. Mm. Um, and I just want you to know that you are loved and that I can't promise that Jesus will heal you, but I can promise you that God is a healer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just I, I just uh, want to pray for you that your faith mm. uh, would grow um, and that and that your heart would be like fixed. Um, in who God is and who he's revealed to be in scripture uh, and his and like whew, man that and that you would be whole in mm, Jesus name. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, as we look at this story,
0: we see Jesus who is God, yeah. right? Come down as one of us valuing every person as he looks into every person's eyes. Yeah. And I love that word that you shared with us earlier, Mike, is that I think Jesus would look into every one of our eyes. And um, I think Jesus wants to, to touch us today, yeah. to minister to us. And yeah. His highest priority is that um, we would fully, that we would know Him, that we'd be following Him, that we'd experience His presence. And, and, and oftentimes when we come into His presence, when we, we, we bring these requests, man, He, he heals, He touches, yeah. He moves. True. And sometimes it takes that bold step of, of, of stepping out and, and putting out your arm. Yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, we just want to close today's message by encouraging you. Um, you know, our worship teams are going to come and lead a time of worship. But be considering, do you need to come forward and ask for prayer today? Do you need mm-hmm. to um, ask the Lord for something? And, uh, and really step out in faith and, and meet with the Lord. I can promise you this, is that Jesus will meet you. He'll say something to you. He'll touch you. He'll minister to you in a powerful way. And that would be our hope today. Yeah. And I uh, also pray this, is that, you know, as we look at the life of the Pharisees, um, do we need to look at ourselves and take some inventory and see where we need to drop pride so that we can really step into humility and see God moving in powerful ways. Hey, we hope this has been helpful to you. We could talk for a couple more hours. Yeah, this is and fun. maybe we'll do it again another time. But <laughs> bless you all. And uh, we pray this has been helpful. In the name of the Father, Amen. Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.